0: Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Tom Chaney and this is Living Health Live. My co-host for the show and in our practice is my wife, Dr. Stephanie Chaney. Thanks for joining us. This is your show to take advantage of this time to begin your journey to good health. Dr. Steph and I, we're going to provide some information and instructions on how to live a better, healthier life free of chronic diseases like diabetes, neuropathy, autoimmunity, pain and arthritis and much more. We're here every Thursday at 1230 to help you learn and grow. This is your place to get valuable information about your health challenges. So feel free to check out our website at mylivinghealth.com. You can also sign up for a newsletter there, or you can call our office for an appointment at 410-216-9180. So let's get started. Today we're going to be talking about... Improving sleep for better health And just to go through some of the stats on sleep I I was checking out um, a couple of these stats Which are staggering According to the American Sleep Association 50 to 70 million Americans have a sleep disorder 48% report snoring 37.9% reported unintentionally falling asleep During the day at least once in the prior month and 4.7 percent. This is a pretty scary stat. 4.7 percent reported nodding off or falling asleep while driving at least once in the prior month. So, what are some of the consequences of poor sleep? Well, um, obviously, if you're falling asleep
1: unintentionally at work, that could be a problem, right? So, uh, loss of productivity at work is a big factor. You just, if you're not sleeping well, you're not going to be able to. Think clearly during the day. You're not going to be able to get good production at work. And so with 70 million Americans having a sleep disorder, we're talking about a lot of low production in the workplace. Um, Generally, lack of energy throughout the day uh, just for regular, routine, daily activities. So, you know, we have a lot of patients that come to see us. They're not sleeping well. They've got metabolic syndrome. They can barely get up enough energy to get off the couch and do laundry, clean the house, you know, just doing basic activities. Um, It can just be exhausting and insurmountable when you're not sleeping well. Lack of focus, concentration, and memory loss. Um, You know, one of the problems with lack of sleep is brain degeneration. And so over time, it can be a contributing factor to Alzheimer's. And you're at a higher risk with lack of sleep for a lot of chronic diseases, diabetes, cancer, obesity, heart disease, and of course we mentioned dementia, and other metabolic and neurodegenerative diseases. We've got an epidemic of autoimmunity in this country. Um, That can be a trigger for lack of sleep, and then lack of sleep can imbalance and weaken the immune system, so it keeps this sort of fire going. Um, So sleep is super important, Um, you know, people always ask, well, why do I have to sleep throughout the night? We'll get into how much you should sleep. And then I want to talk about why we need to sleep because, you know, in America, we're really busy in this country and some people just don't have time to sleep. So they don't. What's the big deal?
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And I I know patients come in and, and tell me, you know, they're not sleeping well. And and usually they have these these consequences. And I will say minor compared to some of these other things like they have a lack of energy. But they tell me, well, you know, I get everything done that I need to get done. Yeah. Um, but I think you got to look at the big picture. Like when you look at chronic issues with sleep, you have to look at some of these other chronic diseases like diabetes, cancer, obesity, heart disease, dementia, dementia. You know, these, all these other diseases that are linked with poor sleep or lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. That's um, one
1: of the myriad of factors. And you don't just have one poor night of sleep and wake up and have diabetes. So you're not thinking directly. It's an accumulation of many, many, many years of not sleeping well. Um, why don't I talk about how much sleep is needed generally? Sure. Um, and this is, again, this, there's hundreds of studies out there on sleep that basically for the average adult, um, we are required to get on average between seven and nine hours of sleep. Um, children obviously need a lot more. We're talking, you know, 12 to 16 hours, depending on if you're an infant, toddler, um, uh, you know, six year old. Uh, but as a, as an average adult, we need about eight hours of sleep, a little less, um, as we get older, above 60 into the seventies, uh, our bodies require about seven hours of sleep. Um, what's the purpose of sleep. Well, you know, during the day part of your 24-hour day cycle, you are grabbing that body by the scruff and you are tearing it through life. You're just shredding it. You're running over here. You're stressing out over here. You're doing this activity. You're going to the gym and doing this. You know, all of these things that we're doing throughout the day cycle. Um, And at night, the eight hours of sleep that you have, ideally between, you know, 10 and 8, 10 o'clock at night and uh, six in the morning, somewhere in that range, it's the only time that your body has to repair, rebuild and regenerate itself. And you don't get that time back. And we're talking all systems need their time during that eight hours, the organs, the glands, your immune system, your nervous system. It's the time that we grow and repair. So we may not be growing when we're 38 years old, But, you know, we still have repairing and regenerating to do. And so um, but, you know, we have patients that that come in and they're coming in for some chronic disease or another diabetes reversal, neuropathy reversal. And we talk to them about basic things like sleep. That's part of our, our every visit. We talk about how a person is sleeping. It has to be it has to be addressed. It has to be handled for optimal healing. And uh, it's not uncommon to hear that people, you know, they're in their 60s and since college they've been sleeping four hours a night and they'll say, well, that's my normal, you know, you go to school. Right? You work two jobs to put yourself through school, and you don't have time to sleep, and you're pulling all-nighters and doing whatever else. And then eventually you graduate, you get married, you have kids, you don't sleep with the kids, and you got the stress of finding a job, and you're stressed out. And all these things can start to accumulate over time. And you go through a few decades of sleeping four hours a night, you are not meeting the minimum requirements. And it puts you at a higher risk over all of those years for obesity, Alzheimer's, dementia, cancer um, diabetes. And those are, those are the biggies that are the big killers in this country.
0: It's almost like, and I, I explain this to patients, like it's a sleep is a nutritional supplement that you need to have consistently.
1: It's one of my favorites.
0: And, um, <laughs> and, it, and it is very important because that is when your body is repairing. So, so what is normal sleep? So, um, one of the things when I have a patient that comes in we, we sit down and we discuss what their schedule is and we talk about their schedule during the day, but more importantly, we talk about their schedule at night. So keeping a consistent schedule is very important. So we talk about, okay, what time do you need to get up to get to work on time? All right. And now let's work backwards and figure out, you know, we're going to determine how many hours of sleep you need. And that is the time that you need to go to bed.
1: It, you know, if if someone's gotta get up at four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, technically they need to be going and going to bed and being asleep between eight and nine o'clock at night. And people freak out over that sometimes because, you know, they they got this show on, they've gotta do this, they've they're just getting home from traffic. You know, this is this Maryland, DC, Virginia area is a commuter nightmare. We've got patients that are commuting two hours one way every day. So by the time they get home and have dinner they haven't even had a chance to chill out and have some me time yet. So they're going to push it and stay up till 11 o'clock at night. Your me time is sleep time. (laughs) And, uh, otherwise, you know, relocate your job or relocate your house. So you don't have such a severe commute. Like you, you really have to start looking at handling some of the things that are keeping you from getting a good night's sleep. And, um, and sometimes it's, it's, you know, it's, At least if we can get a patient going from one o'clock in the morning back to midnight, back to 11 o'clock and getting an extra couple hours, that's something, you know. And then another mistake that people make if they're not sleeping well, they get four or five hours. Well, I get a two hour nap during the day. Well, yeah, don't do that. If if you once you have that two hour nap, if you sleep more than 20 minutes as a nap and, and we nap. You know pretty commonly but if you're sleeping more than um 20 minutes if you go into a, a rem stage and you'll talk about the stages in a minute um you are messing up your full night sleep and you're going to be more likely to stay up too late and then that keeps the per, you know the perpetuation of that crazy cycle going where i'm so tired during the day i have to have a two-hour nap and then i'm bouncing awake at night you just throw your whole schedule and rhythm off
0: yeah so so napping if i have a patient that is napping yeah and they're not sleeping well, we cut the nap out and then we have them get to bed earlier. And then they're, they're actually at a point where their body is fatigued enough where they're going to fall asleep. And I
1: will say this, <laughs> one of the most sick populations of patients we work with where it's the most challenging for us to get results with people is night shift workers. Right. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of our night shift workers are medical people we've got, you know, round the clock night shift workers in hospitals. Mm-hmm. And so these guys are turning out to be some of the sickest people we work with. And it's very, very challenging. We need these people. Um, but they, you know, it's hard to live a life where you're on like a Japanese t- uh, time clock where you're working, you know, seven to seven, uh, throughout the night. Um, but then you've got stuff that you got to get done throughout the day and the rest of your, whole universe is alive and awake and doing their business during the day. So you feel compelled to be part of that. So you're not missing out. Um, and unfortunately we have people that are getting like very little sleep that are working in the night shift and the circadian rhythm is just not to be messed with that way.
0: Right. So, um, one of the things that we also discuss with our patients is the different stages of sleep and, and you know, some patients think they just go to sleep and, and then at a certain point they get into a deep sleep and they just stay in that deep sleep for the for the rest of the night. And if they're not in that, then they feel like, well, I didn't get a good sleep. Actually, the and, and most of the patients that come in, they've heard of, of REM sleep, uh, rapid eye movement. Um, that's what it stands for. And so you actually go through various stages of, uh, of sleep and REM is one of them, the deepest state, but you're going to cycle in and out of REM as you're going through the night. And that's actually normal um, for the body to do that.
1: Yeah, you have periods during the night. It's about four phases or so, depending on your age, where you almost come a little bit almost awake. And then the body sinks back down again into its deep therapeutic sleep. And then it'll bounce back up a little bit. And you go through these waves. And sometimes it's not uncommon for people to have a little bit of a wake up around two or three o'clock in the morning. And then the problem with that is they become aware that they're awake and they start freaking out because now they're awake, they woke up too early, they gotta get, their alarm clock goes off in a couple hours, they gotta get back to sleep. And now their brain is going through this big panic. I'm not gonna get my eight hours. And then they end up sabotaging themselves. It's actually a completely normal thing to be a little bit on the awake side at 2 or 3 in the morning and then just let yourself lull right back. Just you got to chill out about it.
0: Yeah, so, we, so we're targeting our patients, um, most of our adult patients, we're targeting them for 7 to 8 hours of sleep. Um, that's our target as far as getting enough sleep. If you're, um, you know, with some of our younger patients, we may be prescribing more sleep um, depending on the situation, depending on the case and what we're working on. So um, when we come back, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the common sleep conditions. So conditions that you probably have heard about, sleep apnea um, is an epidemic. We're going to talk about narcolepsy, which is um, not as common, but it is a problem. We're going to talk about insomnia, um, which is really a symptom. It's not really a condition. And we're going to discuss that in more depth. And then we're going to talk about some of the common causes and then some of the solutions that we go through with our patients. So let's talk about sleep apnea. Um, The most common cause of sleep issues is sleep apnea. So let's get into that.
1: Yeah, more people with sleep issues have sleep apnea. Um, Obstructive is the most common, um, and that's where there's literally an obstruction of the airway. It can happen for structural issues, jaw placement, um, sometimes when people are sleeping on on their back. Um, Their lower jaw can literally sink in and close the airway. Um, But there's also some neurological and uh, metabolic reasons for why people would have sleep apnea. One of the more commonly or well-known causes of sleep issues is sleep apnea. Um, The most common cause of sleep apnea is an obstruction of the airway, um, and it could be a physical uh, obstruction of the airway. Um, And this is where being overweight or obese is a factor because this, the tissues are a lot thicker in that area and it can close down and enclose the airway. Um, also, what we find is uh, sleep apnea of that kind can be an indication of other metabolic issues under the hood that need to be dealt with. Um, so things like uh, diabetes, neuropathy, uh, sometimes just like when we talked about um, uh, you know, in the past with our with our neuropathy patients, the blood flow, because of the sugar and the diabetes, can get impacted to small nerves. And then the small nerves that are in the epiglottis and in the throat area start to get paralyzed, and you lose tone of the airway. And so um, the, the throat can literally just kind of collapse on itself. And so You know, the the handle for that is not just a sleep apnea machine to handle the immediate airway issue. The handle is get your diabetes reversed, get your metabolic syndrome handled, get your weight down, get into a healthy range, uninflamed state, and then you won't have to deal with the sleep apnea in the first place. Another cause for sleep issues is something called narcolepsy. Um, We've seen this be um, a result of several different things. And what that is is when someone just sort of spontaneously falls asleep and they go into a deep REM um, in and they don't have a lot of control over sometimes where that happens. And so we, we have people that um, you know could fall asleep literally spontaneously in a meeting. Um, uh, it's a, it's an actual medical condition. They could sp- fall asleep while they're driving. Some people um, to stay awake as long as they're eating something they or fidgeting with something they can stay awake. So when they're driving, they're they're eating you know nuts or food or whatever um, to literally keep themselves awake. And we've had. We've had patients that have had narcolepsy that we believe was an autoimmune-related situation um, based on the test that we did and the workup that we did with that person. So handling some of the causes of the autoimmune issue was able to resolve some of the narcolepsy issues, and they were able to get off some of the medication. I worked with a woman early on in practice, um, 16 years ago now, and uh, she... It uh, turns out we were doing a lot of chiropractic and structural rehab with her, especially in the neck area, um, and she was hoping to resolve the narcolepsy because she wanted to get pregnant and the medication she was taking wouldn't be good for um, pregnancy. And uh, we actually got her narcolepsy completely resolved, and um, we it was very interesting that it was related to the, to the neck rehab and the chiropractic we were doing. Um, and in her history she has a recollection of being in college and they were goofing around on the football field and she sort of got tossed and landed on her head and it was soon after that that she developed this so it was a trauma related structural cause to her narcolepsy which resolved with structural work so again going back to trying to figure out the cause mm-hmm. for people and then just straight up straight old plain old insomnia where people can't get to sleep or they fall asleep and they can't stay asleep and so they're getting far less sleep than they need and that's an issue that we work with a lot of people on as well
0: so many of the patients that come see us that have for example type 2 diabetes um, have had a sleep study done um, and many times they've been diagnosed through the sleep study as having sleep apnea um, and one of the things I'll mention, when we start working with them metabolically and reducing inflammation, improving their health through functional medicine, we actually see improvement. They have to go back and get their, um, m- many of them have a CPAP. Mm-hmm. They have to get that adjusted um, and get it tweaked. Some of them even come off of that.
1: Right. And as, you know, they, as long as they get the appropriate testing to confirm that they're you know, getting their oxygen that they need right. and staying asleep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's not an uncommon thing.
0: So the first step to better sleep is definitely we have to um, make the, the proper diagnosis. And so we're going to go through and talk about some of the common causes and then some of the solutions to um, improving your sleep. So, you know, one of the things that everybody has to one degree or another is stress in their life.
1: Yeah. If you've got, you know, an uh, a an irregular emotional upset for some reason, whether it's some stress that happened on the job or some stress with the family member, someone called you at nine o'clock at night, some family member got you all stressed out about something. Even though there's not much you can do about it at nine o'clock at night, sometimes that's enough to lose a night's sleep or two. Um, And those can be transient issues. Um, For us generally in in our house, we for the most part don't answer the phone past eight o'clock at night. There's not much we can do about it anyways. Um, and most people know not to call us uh, late at night. So, um, so that's, you know, you kind of just sort of try to create an environment where you're not gonna have a lot of stress right before, right before going to bed. Um, certain, uh, talking about stress, uh, adrenal dysfunction. So the adrenal glands, they sit on your kidneys, they release a hormone called cortisol. Um, and we find a lot of imbalances with people's adrenal glands and um, cortisol is counter to melatonin so melatonin is your sleep hormone cortisol is your awake hormone when you're talking about the circadian rhythm and that hormone if you've got adrenal dysfunction and you are either hyper secreting cortisol which is the awake hormone and you're secreting it off rhythm and it's high at night before bed that may prevent you from falling asleep If it's spiking really high too quickly in the middle of the night, it may cause you to wake up too early. Um, So we have to, we assess adrenal function in our office and then we have to assess why would someone's cortisol be off? It's important to understand that a lot of things in the body have multiple functions. So cortisol is your awake hormone counter to your sleep hormone melatonin, but it's also your body's anti-inflammatory. And so anything that causes inflammation, in the body can cause you to hypersecrete excessive amounts of cortisol. If that happens long term, then you can end up with um, a a, a real sleep issue, right? So then you start asking yourself, well, what is inflammation and what would cause that? Well, inflammation is the ramping up of your immune system to defend, seek out, kill, destroy. So chronic infections, food allergies, and autoimmune diseases, all of those things can contribute to this inflammatory reaction. Pain um, can cause you to hypersecrete cortisol, and that can impact your ability to have a normal circadian cortisol rhythm which can ultimately impact your sleep. So, sometimes what we're doing is working with the adrenals and the potential triggers for cortisol excretion to get that back down um, into a normal range. Um, and uh, talking about circadian rhythms, well, you have to address melatonin as well. And so, you know, certain nutrients are required uh, by your brain to make melatonin. Melatonin is secreted by the pineal gland in the brain. It is secreted when light is away. So at night, the sun goes down. Um, We historically, as humans before electricity, would not have a lot of light in our eyes, and we would make adequate amounts of the sleep hormone melatonin, which gets secreted at night, and that's what keeps you asleep. It's what helps you fall asleep and keeps you asleep. And there's nutrient deficiencies that a lot of people have now because of poor diet, medication, Um, that causes deficiencies of certain vitamins. Stress causes deficiencies of certain vitamins. But a lot of people, you know, they they know, for example, the vitamin B12 is important for energy, B vitamins, you know. Um, But people don't realize that B12 is also required in order to make melatonin. And so if you're B12 deficient, you could also have deficiency of melatonin. So people will sometimes be indicated to take melatonin. Sometimes we just need to get the the basic building blocks of the melatonin in so that the body can make its own melatonin. Um, This now brings us to sleep hygiene things. For example, I talked about the fact that darkness is what stimulates melatonin. So when light directly enters the eye, it stimulates the body to shut down production of melatonin. So you have dinner, you get home after commuting, it's eight o'clock at night, you're supposed to be in bed by 10. Um, You have dinner, you clean up, you get the kids washed into bed, and you're now on the computer. Or you've got your shiny, awesome iPad tablet in bed with you and you got this nice bright light, you're watching YouTube videos, whatever. You got the TV on, you got all the electronics, you got the lights on. All of that light stimulation could actually be preventing you from secreting enough melatonin to either knock you out of sleep or keep you asleep. So we usually advise people: TV out of the room. Don't don't even. It's like even if it's off, it's emitting electromagnetic fields which can be disruptive to sleep. Um, Keeping the phone, the cell phone, keeping your iPad, your computer, like. After dinner, really, there's no reason to, to be on a computer doing intensive work. Um, sometimes just engaging in intensive work is enough to keep that brain hyper-stimulated um, as well. So we just, you know, doing other things like, you know, reading by a dimmer light is okay. Picking um, up
0: a book or a magazine. Picking up a book. Instead of, you know, instead of looking at a computer a, a screen. tablet, yeah. Or a phone, you're, you're reading a book. Yeah, people
1: that it. are readers, they read before bed, should not be reading on a brightly lit tablet. Um, because that can actually keep them over, over stimulated and over awake. You kind of go back to the old-fashioned book, the paperback or the hardcover. Um, we talked about, um, uh, you know, making sure that you're not having super long naps during the day. Exercise also helps with uh, releasing hormones that induce sleep, because again, that's when the body repairs and rebuilds itself. So naturally, we secrete certain hormones hormones while we exercise that will stimulate us falling asleep really well. And there's other factors to consider too is your mattress, your pillow, Um, if you've got a neck issue that's causing problems you know getting to the chiropractor getting adjusted getting those things handled Um, uh, there's just lots of stuff to look at but it's important to address it
0: we talked about some of the common causes and solutions you can check out our website at mylivinghealth.com and on our blog we have more information also for nutritional deficiencies check out livinghealthmarket.com where you can find all of our nutrition there Um, I want to Take a minute just to thank our technical director, Stan. You've been listening to Living Health Live with me, Dr. Tom Chaney, and Dr. Stephanie Chaney of Living Health Integrative Medicine in Annapolis. We'll see you next week.
1: The information on this show is intended as educational information only. The information given here is designed to help you make informed decisions about your health and is not intended as a substitute for any medical treatment.